Welcome back, everyone, to this month's research briefs. Today, we are going to talk to a scholar that was name-dropped by Dr. Ruth Streveler in an earlier episode as a scholar to watch within the field of engineering education, Dr. Esther Matemba. Before I introduce Dr. Esther Matemba, I have to tell you I had a lovely conversation with her as we prepared for this segment, and I asked her, how should I introduce you? And she said, I don't, I don't know. I said, what about international independent researcher, consultant, and part-time instructor? And she said, I don't know if you can call me international. And this was after she told me she worked in Canada on the continent of Africa and was currently in Australia. If that isn't international, I don't know what is. <laughs> with that being said, it is with a great deal of joy that we introduced Dr. Esther Matemba, international independent researcher, consultant, and part-time instructor. Welcome, Dr. Matemba. Welcome. Thank you so yeah. much, Monique. <laughs> thank you, Monique. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, um, thank you for I'm thank really you for your time. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm truly honored to be here. And um, I would like to thank Dr. Ruth Strebella for bringing my name to your attention. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, wonderful. I'm really honored so, to be here, and I, I'm based in in Australia, as you said. I'm in Perth, Western Australia. Fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you for making time, um, and like a lot of time, especially on the other side of the world. So, can you share with us an overview of your path to and through engineering education? Because, like, you're coming from an international context, so we really want to hone in on the pit stops that you've made in the engineering education space in Africa, in Canada, and Australia. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Uh, my journey into engineering education um, did not start, I wasn't heading into engineering education. I um, started as a junior academic from, um, from Tanzania, and um, I, it was time for me to go for my PhD um, studies. And um, I was in a construction management department. So my topic was supposed to be something around cost management. And I applied to, to go to um, Curtin in, in Australia and I got admission and everything. Um, I had a supervisor. And when I arrived in Australia, um, I just had this question that I had since I was um, uh, an academic, since I was lecturing back back in Tanzania. I had this dissatisfaction in me that I just wanted to know how to properly train an, an engineer that um, can work globally, can have the skills required. And this was also because my friends who had gone into the industry would always complain about the education and um, the skills that they didn't get to learn and things that, you know, that were not very useful. And mm. so I had this question. And so I questioned the curriculum. I questioned many things. But as a junior academic, I didn't really know how many things worked. And therefore, um, as I was in our first meeting with my supervisor, I kind of just brought that in after the <laughs> whole talk about the topic. And then I was like, oh, I don't really like the way um, things are going, you know, the systems and things like that. And and um, and so he asked, what do you want to do? And I talked about, you know, this global engineer that I had in mind, somebody that can do work, can work anywhere with different people and things like that. And he said, oh, I think you're talking about engineering education. And I was like, oh, is that even a thing? 
Mm. I said, yes, there is a whole um, field of engineering education. And, and, and although my institution didn't um, support that at that time, um, we didn't have a department in engineering education, but they had um, lecturers that would have students doing PhDs in engineering education. So uh, yeah, so I had the opportunity to change my topic right there. And <laughs> I was like, yes, mm -hmm. I want to do this. And I changed my topic and it became something around global engineering. I, I didn't complete the topic then until I, I was way um, into my PhD. And yes. so I got connected to all the engineering education um, professors, people who were working with engineering education students, uh, mathematics education. My supervisor would connect me to everyone that was doing engineering education. And then um, I, I was also connected to people in doing engineering education outside my institution, including other universities in Australia. And so that's how my journey started. So I started reading the literature around engineering education, which didn't really look like my scientific literature, but I, I, I read the literature and found out also, um, just another thing that is interesting was that the kind of context that they were talking about within the the literature did not match where I was coming from. Mm -hmm. And I understood it because at that time I was also teaching um, casually at, at the university. So I, I understood that this is the context that I'm teaching in, but this is not the context that I come from. And mm -hmm. therefore that was one of the things that I'm, I started looking into the different context of engineering education while I added that to my um, my PhD and, and therefore I thought, oh, um, how come I can't see much of my context in this in this literature? So yeah, so that's also brought another question about like, um, what is the engineering education context in Africa? And I think that's part of what I did with my PhD. So my PhD became, um, global, globalization of engineering in, engineers in 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 the African context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I did, and um, and I noticed also there was lack of representation of the African context. So that is another thing that I was really eager to continue with, even a, a post PhD. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I can say the Af the Australian engineering education um context really helped me grow. So it was my training ground. Um, I had all the mentorship that I needed. I got the the workshops that I needed. So I there was there's an, a winter school in 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 Australia that happens every June, which is our winter. And mm -hmm. I did I went to the winter school twice. I gained a lot of skills, research skills, engineering education skills, and um, I just the the community is an Australian. Um, uh, Association of Engineering Education, which I got connected to, and I had a lot of people helping. So I I really got a lot of um, support from from there, and I I got connected to some international scholars as well, mm -hmm. and and I, I felt like it didn't um, in the engineering education um, scene it didn't just seem like I was a PhD student, but I was also a scholar at the same time. Yeah. I, I um, around the same time I was doing my engineering education. Um, PhD, I also got to do teaching and learning research with um, colleagues who that, that I was teaching with. Um, I got a research associate um, jobs that I could work with a um, few people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Yeah. So that was my, my training ground. And then from there, um, 
because my PhD was kind of long, so the the it took me about seven years. I was also raising young young boys, so okay. it took me a bit longer than everyone else. And and therefore through that time, I I got connected to many people. I went to conferences and um, other events. We had conversations in engineering education happening at, at our institution, and yeah, so I got connected to a lot of people. I got jobs, um, and. Um, that is how I got the Canadian job. So before that, I had um, worked with another institution as a research associate, uh, not my institution. And then after that, I got a job in Canada, which was, um, um, I was made aware by uh, a professor that was from Australia, that was a visiting professor in, at um, Lausanne School of Engineering uh, at York University in Canada. So um, I applied for the job and I got it. And it was during COVID when the, the, the position actually started. So most of the people were working from home at that time and um, I didn't have to travel. So they had to change the, the, the job, the position to be more of a contractual position. So I had to become a consultant right there. I, I was already thinking about becoming a consultant, but I was thinking maybe after I finish my PhD, I'll start but I didn't have much time. So I, I was completing my PhD. I became a consultant and then I had to learn how to be a consultant right away. Mm -hmm. And that actually, yeah, it gave me a lot of practice into the, in, in the area. Um, I worked across portfolios. So there was strategic management issues and then there was um, curriculum issues um, as we were supporting uh, groups that teams that were doing curriculum development. Um, there was work integrated learning things yeah. that I had to work with, um, frameworks, models that worked through the different portfolios. And because I worked remotely, I had to understand the context through my colleagues who were very, very helpful. They, they would tell me everything about the context, including how cold it was and so on. <laughs> and so on. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, from there, uh, with a the, with the consulting job, I, I did that for two and a half years. And while I was doing that, I started reconnecting with my African um, topic because um, that was what I wanted to do. So I connected with um, other African colleagues and luckily there was this big meetup um, uh, meeting for engineering education research, the big meetup. I don't know if you heard about it, but it was this international um, online uh, meet up for engineering education research. So I met up with people and there was one of the uh, coffee, the tea breaks, which was uh, focusing on um, African engineering education, where um, the people that were in that meeting kept in touch. So we kept in touch and we, we continued to talk about engineering education research in Africa. And we talked about how can we get people involved because um, the issue was they were isolated people doing engineering education, but um, mm -hmm. we're looking for a way of bringing them together so that we can have one voice. Um, yes. There was also an issue that engineering education in Africa was not recognized and therefore um, academics doing engineering education research or anyone that was doing engineering education research was not rewarded. Mm -hmm. um, there was no encouragement for, for students doing um, PhDs in engineering education. Um, and therefore, so we had those issues and, and we all agreed. So we continued to meet. Um, some of the colleagues were not Africans, but they had done projects in Africa. So we continued to meet and um, 
then the idea of uh, starting a WhatsApp group came along. And um, yeah, so that's how we started the, the network. And at the same time, I had applied for a position in the RIN board, which is the Research and Engineering Education Network, the international um, network. And I got um, uh, the position as a board member for, um, for the RIN board as an African representative. And wonderful, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, so that's what that's where I am yeah. now. So that I think that's where uh, everything comes together. So I have the consulting, and with the consulting, after the the job ended in Canada, I started getting jobs that are more related to the African um, context. So I I, I have um, funding organization that uh, that I've worked with in projects in Africa. So that's mm -hmm. that's how I engineering education yeah that's fantastic i mean i have no idea why you were a little puzzled by the notion of being an international extraordinaire but that's okay i love your modesty um, but can, can i ask you one thing you you've mentioned the word context a few times and i just want <clears throat> to i want to give you just a second to yeah. unpack a little bit what you mean by context and i say that because like Research Briefs has an international audience and there may be people that may be having a similar sense when they, you know, read engineering education research or have conversations with colleagues in other contexts, using the word mm -hmm. in, the, in the question, but um, they may not know like how to put their finger on, you know, any disconnect that they're perceiving. So what are maybe one or two examples of like contextual differences, you know, across different places? Yeah. Um, okay, I'll try. <laughs> um, but I think that the 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 main ones that I noticed that maybe will um be easy to um uh, to talk about would be, for example, the education system itself. So engineering education is the result of the of the education itself. So it is within the higher education system. It is mm -hmm. it is within a country or um a region or so or wherever it is, and um. So there, there will be different issues of context that would be different. For example, in my Australian institution, the, the institution is in is in Perth. Um, there is no engineering education department, but there is a lot of support for teaching and learning, for example. So in the education system is outcome based. Um, everybody knows how to uh, design the curriculum using the constructive methods and everything. and my institution back in Africa um, is still content-based, even though in the curriculum it might be written outcome-based, but I have been in the system, it's still content-based. Um, not everyone understands curriculums, I didn't. Um, the, the, the context that it is in, there's nothing that supports engineering education or teaching and learning. There's nothing mm -hmm. apart from just um, maybe getting mentorship from other um, experienced lecturers so things like that and 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 that's where like the context really differs and also there's issues like accreditation for example so for example um, there's Washington Accord accreditation which is an international one um, there's the US is in it uh, maybe in, in Africa maybe just South Africa is in it and some in the provisional like Nigeria um, but Tanzania is not in the Washington Accord. And even the accreditation system that is being used is probably not um, 
the one that uh, is being used in other countries. So when you talk about, for example, a student that you're trying to develop, the, their con the context around them is different. So the factors that are affecting their, their education is different gotcha. from, uh, from another student. So And, and gotcha. that happens in different countries. So even between Australia and um, Canada, there are some some contextual differences and this will gotcha. be yeah different in, in different things sometimes it's just policies or mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah or systems or priorities gotcha. um, yeah okay yeah that helps yeah um so just one more question before i hand it over to monique like how would you describe the priorities or the differences in priorities across different contexts as we as it relates to engineering education if you, you feel free to touch on the, you know, the places that you mentioned, or if you'd yeah. rather just focus on one or two, that's okay too. <clears throat> but yeah. by, by priorities, I mean like the, the questions that people are wrestling with or the challenges that they're facing, the issues that are top of mind um, in, in, in the different contexts. Oh, yeah. So I think we will go back to like the, the, factors that affect context, for example, uh, and those will uh, bring up priorities. So whatever is going on, for example, in the social scene. Um, so if, if people are talking about diversity, um, equity and inclusion, you'll find that that will be the topic also in engineering education. So if it is COVID, everyone is talking about COVID. And it's the same thing that um, if, if that is the focus of for example, engineering itself as a profession or the social um, environment or the people around, then that's where the priorities will be. So, um, I, and I realized, for example, sometimes in the in the global north, which is you know US, uh, Australia, and all the developed countries, they might be talking about um, uh, climate change, for example. And even within the, the funding, they would say, we want to include climate change and we want you to talk about, you know, these kind of climate change areas, which mm -hmm. might not be very important for people in Africa. And, and, and although the funding states that it's very difficult for, for people who are applying for the funding to, to, you know, to explain what they're going to do with climate health, I mean, I mean climate change. Arguably, yes. climate so, health and climate change are the same. Right? I mean, like, maybe they don't use that language, but it sounds like it would work. <laughs> yes. Oh, anyways, yeah. So things like that. So like climate climate change or um, it could be diversity and e diversity, equity um, and inclusion things. But they might be there might be different types of diversity and inclusion. So, for right. example, when it comes to inclusion, maybe in, in, in Africa, we might be talking about including different economic status, you know, different um, people. And and, for, and and maybe in the US, there'll be, you know, black women, something like that. So the topics might be different and, and, mm -hmm. um, and the priorities might be different. And also funding, funding also um, determines the different priorities and the different questions yeah. because, um, Whoever is funding the the, the the research then will really leave the the questions to to that side and and whatever other issues that are going on in the society I guess yeah fantastic that's really helpful all right yeah yeah Monique over to you 
Yeah, yeah. So, the, so you know, we mentioned in the beginning, part of how we came across your name was from Dr. Streveler. And part of the reason why she mentioned you is because she was so incredibly inspired by your efforts to build a coalition of engineering educators on the continent of Africa. And this was uh, the Engineering Education Research Network Africa, E-E-R-N-Africa. Um, what should people know about this coalition? Oh, thank you very much. Um, so before I start with the year in Africa, um, yeah, I would just like to thank um, Dr. Ruth again there for, for mentioning my name and also recognizing um, the the efforts. And, and she's been um, sending all of her African students to the network, by the way, everybody <laughs> <laughs> that's doing research around Africa. So it's been really good. Um, yeah. So the ERN Africa is a network of um, uh, engineering education researchers. We're not all engineering education researchers, but we're all trying to build capacity towards some sort of um, research, um, you know, research-based solutions to engineering education in Africa. Um, and it's also a group of people that um, uh, wants changes or want, want to strengthen engineering education in Africa or to transform engineering education in Africa. And therefore it includes um, engineers, academics that are already engineering education researchers or they're just teaching in engineering education. We have people in diaspora that um, are interested in engineering education. Um, some are already um, engineering education researchers, some are just, uh, either practicing engineers or academics. We have um, friends like Ali's, we have people that um, funding engineering education projects or um, funding engineering projects. And we have just friends that people, observers, anyone that is interested in building a community. So it is, it is, it has grown from a network of people into a community of practice. So what I mean is that um, we started just to connect because people are isolated. Engineering education is not um, is not is not known is it is not um, legitimate a legitimate area of research. So it is it is um, not funded and there's no it's not prioritized and you don't get promoted when you're doing engineering education. So there's no reason for people to do engineering education rather than wanting to make changes. So most of the people in that group are very inspired by making changes. Most of them are self-motivated people that come to the network um, and, and give their time. And um, we found that after we started, so it started as a WhatsApp group with, I think the four of us or some, something like that. And then we, it just grew. And mm. we have around um, 150 people um, from 25 countries in Africa. So we spread out very widely. Most wow. of us have never met each other. We met, <laughs> some of us met once in one conference after COVID because we it was built, um, it started during COVID. And uh, yeah, so so what we do in the network, we support each other in our work in conferences. Um, uh, we, we write um, uh, proposals together. We write papers together. And if there's a book that someone is writing, we invite each other. And we've just been... Um, building that that's um that's research capacity within ourselves 
um, as well as trying to, you know, to, to build it within our institutions. So most of the people are spread across different institutions in Africa. We, we have lecturers, we have deans, we have um, uh, head of departments, like there's it's there's been a lot of interest so we have people that have power so we've managed to get um collaborations across the institutions as well which had never really happened before um luckily there is um engineering education in south africa so we have a lot of members that are coming from south africa to who are supporting others but they're also meeting there um as, as their meeting place as well because they are, they're all spread um across other institutions and there, there's been an engineering education association before, but it was more practice based. So there's there were people that used to meet um, and talk about engineering education, but it wasn't a research based. So for us, for us, we are trying to the, the reason why we're trying to focus on research is because we want to disseminate the, the information. We, we, we don't want to just change practice, but we also want to um, write. We want to to represent the context as well. And, and tell the world that this is what he's doing. We are doing. Okay. Um, yeah. So the reason why we 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 are we are focusing on research is is because we want to um, mobilize the knowledge. We want to 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 share the information, and we we also want to represent the the African context of engineering education to the world. So that that way all the incredible work that is being done in Africa is shared because that is one of the things that we saw that there was a lot of work going on um, in the institutions. Um, people are changing how they teach. They're using different methods of teaching that that um, that are working, but because that information is not documented and shared, uh, we are losing a lot of that. So when you're doing research, it looks like there's nothing um, available while there's, there's a lot of um, things that uh, people are doing. So as a bit of a follow-up to that, right, um, and this is, it's kind of a loaded question, but, you know, mm -hmm. you, you talked about sort of on, across the continent, there are people sort of lone wolf folks that are working on engineering education research. You know, mm -hmm. this idea was born to, to create this coalition that started with a network that's grown to a community of practice. Yeah. I see, I guess, I anticipate that there are other continents and countries where people are also sort of isolated if they were looking and I and I even am sort of reflective on a project that Dr. London and I are working on about creating mm -hmm. a coalition and mobilizing um, sort of isolated scholars to be you know we're more powerful as a collective than we are as an independent mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. right what kind of advice might you give to those looking to create a coalition like what was most like critical to taking this idea to this you said 150 people that are now across you know administrators faculty mm -hmm. instructors researchers if somebody was a lone wolf person right now on a continent and was like i need to get my people together and i need to figure out how to build this what are some tips like what are like maybe the top three things you might say they should be doing to get that ball rolling? Mm. Um, so I, I would say maybe um, for me, I think I kept on uh, talking about the, the I, I kept on talking about what I wanted to do. 
So my my colleagues in Australia know that <laughs> that I'm I want to I wanted to bring people together in Africa or I wanted to represent um, the 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 engineering education context and and all that. So everybody knows. And when I go to international conferences, I talk about it to the point where I started um, finding people. So I I found I, that's where I found Leilani. So Leilani Smith is the the co-founder. But, um, and we we talked and when we met, we just said, this is it, we are going to, to do something. And we had other colleagues that were, were also um, supporting us, but then the two of us were from Africa and the rest were from Europe um, Europe and, um, and Canada. So myself and Leilani got together and said, okay, we have to start this thing. So when we started, we were just inviting colleagues and sending the information into LinkedIn and emails to people that we know, um, anybody that you think is doing that work. And sometimes they're not the ones who want to join the network, but they would send it out to somebody else. So you can start building the coalition slowly like that, just to find people with the same interest. And um, you'll be surprised how many people are thinking, you know, about the same thing that you're thinking about, you know. So yeah, so that's how we started. And I think that the, the, the thing that we connect with, because starting I think starting is easy, but uh, sustaining the the momentum is is another issue. So we've we've also been very consistent with having uh, monthly meetings. So we, we always have monthly meetings, which keep the the network active. Um, then we get to hear people's stories. Um, we 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 connect with people's personal stories of you know, for example, my journey into engineering education when why I'm doing this. And then, um, then they can tell us a little bit about their projects, and um, that way we 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 all got connected, and we we are constantly checking on our members because there's there are members that have joined um, maybe at the beginning and and they're not very active, so we keep checking on them to see how are you going, and I think Lelani is is best at doing that work, and then uh, identified the core members, people that are always working with us, they, they they attend most of the meetings and they, they give their time to um, bring in information or just um, do with any work that is required. Because sometimes we have people offering workshops and training about, for example, um, engineering education research, or they can just um, give a talk about, um, uh, for example, literature review, systematic literature review, um, uh, a topic about new methods of teaching mathematics, things that that are of interest to 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 members of the group. And we've also <laughs> brought in Rainboard, and they came and joined us, and they did um, workshops with us. They and that's one of them um, is where we where I got to meet Dr. Ruth Strever because mm -hmm. she was delivering a workshop. So we we've had we have. Um, other people that would like to help most of the time, they give um, their their time or they, they will deliver workshop and things like that. And we have also, um, I think another thing that keeps us going is not having um, just the same mindset people. So, you know, the way I'm a researcher, Leilani is a practitioner. She doesn't like writing, <laughs> but um, because we're together, we get to, to um, share that, research uh, practice kind of, uh, of thing, and we get to integrate the two. And then we have accreditation bodies 
um, uh, officers that are in the group, engineers, and you know, and, uh, and the funding bodies who let us know what is going on, where where is the money, and they also get to understand the importance of putting money into engineering education because probably they were funding engineering, but not engineering education, or they were funding women in engineering, but they were not thinking about the education. Yeah, um, another thing, the champions that started it or those who are running it um, have to keep the momentum going. I think that's mm -hmm. the things. And and for ours, really, it was, um, we have the cheapest <laughs> running network because we use all the free um, available technologies. We use WhatsApp, we use um, Google Docs and things like that to run the network and Zoom and um zoom meetings and things like that yeah yeah that's fantastic i'm inspired <laughs> um, i mean I, I can see i can i share in ruth's enthusiasm and i'm amazed so um how can we as members of your international engineering education community like support this effort for anybody just listening <clears throat> um okay um I would say because the I think as I explained earlier, because it is not a leg, leg, legitimate area of research or it's not it's not um, recognized as a discipline in most of the African countries and most of the African institution, um, I think the international community could help by um, collaborating with with the African engineering education research members mm -hmm. to. Um, in, in in projects, and I think that this is already happening. We have a few collaborations with um, uh, people from from other countries. We have um, the European Union projects that are running, and we've been writing proposals with them. So that is how you could um, collaborate. And also um, knowing that there's not enough representation, even in conferences and in other areas in engineering education uh, platforms, you could help by creating um or uh, creating avenues where where you could bring an african um, engineering education researcher or a practitioner to come and share there there are a lot of incredible things so it is not just supporting because you want them to travel but there's incredible work being done there that might be useful for um, yeah, other yeah. contexts that are not um yeah african context yeah yeah so, absolutely yeah collaborations um supporting in things like scholarship of teaching and learning and engineering education research work, um, maybe helping in publications, because um, since the work is not supported, there's not much time for um, academics to do it. But if if it comes in with a little bit of uh, support mm -hmm. um, in terms of time and, and, and funding um, or, or just um, uh, expertise so that whatever work that is being done is published in in the right avenue that will also be something that could be really helpful um yeah because there's a lot of intellectual ability within the group in terms of what they can do but um because there there is not resources for people to to um to publish and do that kind of work they would rather concentrate in their um scientific research or other things that they're doing so yeah so things like that and then also capacity building Mm -hmm. in engineering education research in, in, in mm -hmm. anyhow, anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. Um, so 
In addition to building a coalition, which sounds like quite a feat, um, <laughs> what else are you doing by way of scholarship? Like if somebody is looking to collaborate with you, like what kinds of things could they work with you on? I, I know you mentioned being a, you know, a consultant for curriculum development or other ideas that may be brewing. Like what are what are some ways that like folks could say, I wanna talk to Esther? <laughs> Um, yeah, so th there's a few things. So for me, I would say the research skills, uh, if, if somebody needs research skills um, and combined with my um, knowledge of the African context, mm -hmm. so if somebody needs to collect data in Africa or is looking for literature, you know, in, in, in a certain topic, you know, student success or whatever in other areas, so I can they can collaborate with me because I, I know where to find it. I, I also have the connections so I can also talk to people. We can do um, stakeholders engagement, things like that. And I've done that with, within my work as well. Um, I'm also a lecturer, so I can I, I, I can design and facilitate workshops and um, uh, trainings for um, anything between just engineering, uh, uh, general courses in engineering and then civil engineering because I'm a civil engineer I can also facilitate courses for teaching and learning research um, and so on yeah. um, and then the new thing that I'm building now I'm 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 learning more about community building so mm -hmm. apart from the experience that I've got in the um, building the community that we have I'm also um, studying the theory behind community building and um, I'm also trying to use that to to make the communities more efficient. So that's my other area. And I've I've had one job where I had to build a small community. So the the, the network is a big community and spread out. But now I'm trying to focus on smaller communities that focus on uh, particular things. So for example, you want to build a community of practice in problem-based learning area, or mm. um, want to just build a community of practice within a faculty in your institution i can help with with that because that's what i'm i'm, I'm learning right now mm -hmm. um also yeah so all the research skills because you know i've had enough chance um especially qualitative research um systematic reviews scoping reviews at the moment i'm working on a scoping review study of uh, pedagogies of inclusion um, in stem education in africa so if anyone mm -hmm. is interested in that area we're collecting a lot of literature um, yeah, so engineer, so I, I provide um, advice to faculties about different um, methods, frameworks for education. So the theory is behind if you need someone to research that. Um, yeah, so I'm your person for for that kind yeah. of work. I can give you the yeah, I can tell you um, how much time I have and, and <laughs> we'll see how I can work with you. That's yeah. fantastic. I love it. So it's prediction time. Yes. I, I kind of want some music just to cue just for that part, but it's prediction time. Um, I'll work so on where that. Do you see, <laughs> where, where do you see engineering education going? Like if you had a crystal ball and you could predict the future, like what do you see or what would you say? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm such an optimistic person. So it just doesn't uh, make sense. So, um, it's okay. So I am thinking because 
after during COVID, we got very connected. So engineering education became such a small space. It was very intimate. I could talk to people in the US um, or in, in Australia, I mean, in, in, in all the other countries. So people in Australia could um, connect with anybody around the world. Um, if, if you saw the book, the International Engineering Education Research Handbook that came out recently, has been updated with everybody from around the world. I got to work with people from Europe that mm. I didn't know before. And mm. because the, it's been very easy to connect, I feel like we are all merging into this wonderful international research community. Yeah. And, and, and also um, the, the, it, the area is becoming more inclusive. We're getting to understand each other. We, we understand that we are different but we're the same. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm thinking we are merging, we are more connected. And mm -hmm. um, and I think it's it's a, it's a really good area to work in. Maybe I'm being biased, but I feel like the most supportive people are in engineering education. <laughs> <laughs> the most inclusive people are in engineering education. And that's my, that has been my experience. So I'm thinking going forward, there's going to be a lot of transformation in the whole area because this this powers that are merging, they're going to make a lot of impact. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm, I look, again, back to the inspiration. Now is the name drop portion of the program. Are there scholars that you're following, established or new, that others should be following as well? Okay. Um, this is a difficult one because I've, I've always had a list of people that I follow. So I have a lot of people, but because I'm just going to drop a few. So I'll tell you the reason why I follow each and every one of these four that I've I've picked for my list. Um, I follow Dr. Ruth Traveler, who I think these days I follow her podcast, but I used to read her work. So, so I would say in the old, I read her work of how engineering education was established simply because I wanted to understand the history of engineering education, engineering education research, and why are we not in the same place? So, you know, and then I got to understand a few things. Um, I, I also, yeah, I'm also very fond of her as a person because I can talk to her and I I, I know um, uh, that that feels good. You, you, you would understand. And then, <laughs> Yeah. And then um, another person that I've been following is um, Professor Karia Maud. She's from Malaysia. And I've seen, I think I've kind of seen how she worked so hard. I, I, I think she also started engineering education in Malaysia. I'm not sure, but the way I've, I've seen her from from when I was doing my PhD, how she worked so hard into that area to the point where, um, where she became a, a, a name in the in the international scene, you know, coming from Malaysia and not from the US or anywhere where mm -hmm. like there's a lot of funding and, and all that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just like people that also inspire me. So I read her work and also she's very keen into like connecting um, practice and in and, and theory in engineering education she's talking more about about practice and just the practical things and i think it, it I, I can relate because that is the kind of engineering education research i want to to do because i want something that's going to impact practice 
right away. You know, there's no time to just do research for research. So, yeah. And then there's this one person that's called um, I think Dr. Nick Nicola Soshaka, mm -hmm. and I follow. <laughs> I, I I like whatever she writes, and it's not because of the topic. It's just her work is so easy to read and so um, detailed, but also succinct. And mm -hmm. I just don't know. She doesn't know me, but yeah. Um, we know who she, you're talking about. I, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's just because it's been all my sample papers and thesis, whatever thesis she had. It didn't matter what topic she was doing, but everything that she writes, the methodology, the way she <laughs> organizes her work, that's why I follow her. So it doesn't matter what she writes about ethics or whatever it is, I'm just reading it because I just want to see it. <laughs> and then, yeah, so this last one is, is my friend and the, um, the co-founder of the network, Dr. Leilani Smith. This is a, a practitioner that we're trying mm -hmm. to pull into research because she's just incredible. And she she runs this um, big project in, in South Africa about um, integrating um, um, integrated curriculums where she's trying to really bring the students into the community, into the work, uh, trying to relate their education. And um, and I'm sure she'll be big in a few days, but I've, I've been following her work. I've been following her work and, and um, it's it's really incredible. And I, and I wish um, she gets the opportunity to share it out there. And I think it is happening already. But yeah, because it's not it's not published, so sometimes you can't find it. But maybe you can find it in other avenues, in conferences and so on. But there is this work about integrated curriculum that I think can be transferred across context. That is the kind of thing that you can transfer across context, and it could work for anybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we'll just have her as a guest on our show. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so are there any parting words that you would like to share with the international research research community before we sign off of this episode? Hmm. Okay. I just feel like no parting words would just be um for the for the research community to just maybe give everybody a chance. Um to, so that you can understand uh, the different things, and maybe you can you can relate to something in in other people's context, and and in this case, I mean context, and I mean um, you can gain a lot from from learning from other contexts, and I think this is what we learned, especially when we got together as a as a, as a as a network and and as a community, and we started just listening to stories about teaching. Sometimes, you know. Um, there are people who are teaching in environments where students don't have school fees, but their students do very well. They come, they, they, they come work in the US, in Canada, so they make it, but they can tell you how they've had to contribute as a, as a lecturer. You're also having a little funding body within you, amongst yourself and your friends, so you can fund students. So the type of things that, that, that people have to uh, deal with in other contexts might be useful. Um, to yeah to other areas so so different things that that um that other people have will be very useful and and um as i said if we're merging if we're coming together 
then I think those are the kind of things that we can concentrate on. And as 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 much as understanding why um somebody would have this topic in their context and, and just being, yeah, and understanding that uh, maybe at this time we're talking about race or uh, at this time we're talking about um, you know, socioeconomic issues that affect students or things like that. So I think that's mm -hmm. my parting words, just being open mm -hmm. to other people's um topics, even if that is not your focus, especially mm -hmm. in, in big conferences and um yeah, and just the international scenes where you're inviting people. Yeah. yeah. This has been fantastic. Um I wanna one thank you for your time. Um, and for your insights. And um, I want to say thank you again to our listeners for tuning in to today's podcast. So until next time, remember to keep it simple, but significant. Mm -hmm.